Hello and welcome to The Zip Files, a weekly technology news catch-up show. This week we're talking Tesla, Elon Musk's electric car company that is on the precipice of financial ruin. Around that story, I'll quick-fire salt and pepper you with all of the most interesting tech news of the last week. My special guest this episode is a man named Edward Fernihow. He might not be famous yet, and yes, he might just be my mate, but he's got some interesting ideas about love and wilderness survival. Listen out for these wisdom-filled soundbites scattered throughout the show. Anyway, enough babbling. Let's get techy. Turn off your eyes, bend your knees, peel open your ears and relax. Shh, shh, I'm here for you. For the next 20 to 25 minutes, let the stress of life be gone from your mortal flesh. Tuesday, just after lunchtime on YouTube's campus in San Bruno, California, a woman has snuck through the car park and found herself in one of the company's communal courtyards. She pulls out a handgun and fires, injuring three people before turning the gun on herself. The shooter was Nazim Agdam, a YouTuber whose videos espoused veganism, non-violence and exercise. In recent times, she had become angered by what she saw as YouTube's suppression of her content, something that left her making less money from ads than she had previously. Nazim died from her wound. One of the victims is still in a serious condition. The others have been discharged from hospital. We haven't seen supersonic commercial air travel since Concorde's retirement in 2003. NASA are on a mission to change that and have awarded Lockheed Martin a $247.5 million contract to construct a supersonic aircraft known as the X-Plane. The company hopes that the unique structure of the X-Plane will allow it to break the sound barrier with a sonic boom that is barely audible from the ground. At the moment, supersonic flight is heavily restricted over land due to the sheer loudness of sonic booms. The X-Plane would change this and make commercial flights at supersonic speeds much more viable. Do you reckon there will be a technology in the future which can look at, you know, your genome and your traits and be like, oh, Fernie Howe is perfect for, like, Dogwood McBanderson or whatever, do you know that? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't know enough about how it works to say that it definitely won't happen. When you say it all works, do you mean love? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so if you could understand what the hell love is... <laughs> Yeah, if you could unpick yeah. it and be like, why are these two people in love? If mm. so, can we unravel why they are? Mm. What about their two personalities mean that they fell for one another? Yeah. But like, we don't even understand like what love is to begin with. Well, we kind of do, but it's again, it's one of those ideas that's really amorphous. Mm. Like, it's a chemical reaction, okay, but why is it triggered? Like, what triggers it? Hmm. Is there anything in particular or is it just random? A couple of pints. <laughs> <laughs> That's last, Evan. <laughs> Thousands of Google employees have signed a letter pleading with their chief Sundar Pichai to end a Department of Defence contract the company signed in March. The contract sees Google provide artificial intelligence technology to the Pentagon that could be used to improve the accuracy of drone strikes. This collaboration between Google and the Department of Defense is very strange when you consider that the company has spent its history avoiding any involvement with the military. 
so much so that it was often seen as an unofficial Google policy. Now that it has broken with that tradition, employees are trying to turn back the clock. Coinbase, the cryptocurrency exchange valued somewhere in the region of 1.6 billion US dollars, said in a blog post on Thursday that it would be launching its very own venture fund. This fund will be used to invest in companies trying to move the world towards an open financial system. Coinbase is diversifying their business as they try to grow into a, and I quote their general manager, Google-like company for the cryptocurrency space. Ambitious. Now, I don't know about you, but the idea of killer robots doesn't exactly fill me with joy. Earlier this year, a prestigious university in South Korea set up a joint research center with a weapons company. The project announced that they were to create artificially intelligent missiles, unmanned submarines, and armed quadcopters by the end of 2018. Personally, I think that's deeply regrettable. Luckily, professors worldwide share my concerns and threaten to boycott the university if they do not halt their killer research. Shortly after this boycott was announced, the university came out with a statement promising that they do not, and I quote, have any intention to engage in development of lethal autonomous weapon systems and killer robots. <laughs> well, I really, I really hope so. Welcome to this week's Long Listen. Sometimes I think I've got a stressful life. I was in the supermarket yesterday and I couldn't decide, I really couldn't decide, between the pizza with salad on it or the pizza without salad on it. It's these kind of decisions that haunt my millennial mind. And then, and then I remember that Elon Musk must carry with him the collective stress of a small country and I bow my head. Poor, poor guy. This week we're going to be chatting about Tesla the electric car company that the South African serial entrepreneur founded in 2003. Elon said at the beginning of 2018 that this would be a, quote, transformative year for Tesla, which hasn't ever turned a meaningful profit. Nowadays, that transformation is looking like it could be more into a bumblingly destitute Frankenstein's monster than into a successful car company. Their problems are predominantly threefold. They've got loads of debt and sizable repayments are due soon. Their Model 3 car production is too slow and competition is threatening to strip them of their unique allure. Tesla is, and always has been, an extremely ambitious company. One that wants to revolutionise the auto industry and have us whizzing around in fully electric vehicles. Last year, it seemed that Tesla was on the brink of achieving just this vision. Its luxurious, battery-powered Model S was widely hailed as having achieved the future, with its self-driving technology that was infinitely more advanced than anything we'd seen in commercial cars. Investors were enthused as they imagined Tesla dominating our roads. The market value of Elon's electric car company overtook that of General Motors, an extraordinary feat when you consider that Tesla only produced 100,000 cars in 2017, whereas GM produced 3 million. But in recent months, it has become all too apparent that Tesla are still winding their way through the woods, trying to not crash and burn. To achieve what they have achieved, Tesla has had to raise some $12.5 billion over its lifetime. Of that money, $10 billion is debt. Now, 
Being someone with a student loan, I try not to think too much about the concept of debt. But, in broad strokes, debt is something that has to be repaid. In 2018, $200 million of this is due for repayment. And then, in early 2019, $900 million is due. That's a lot of cash. And it's got people worried that it could send the company into bankruptcy. Moody's, an agency which rates the safety of investments, downgraded Tesla to junk status last week. Their concerns are that the company, which spent over $2 billion last year and churns through $6,500 every minute, is likely to fail investors. Moody's spoke of the competitive nature of Tesla's business, that some 36 other electric car models would be on the road by 2021, and that Tesla holds no technological advantage to protect their market dominance when all these other electric cars do appear. On top of this, the tax breaks that they have been enjoying because of their zero emission status will soon dry up as they surpass the 200,000 car production cap for the benefits. This is in itself serious. These tax credits were worth $280 million to the company in California alone last year. Tesla have $3 billion of cash on their balance sheet. Elon says that this is enough so they won't have to raise any more capital this year. That is dubious, especially when you take into account that he promised the same in 2016 and then ended up having to raise billions of dollars. Indeed, Elon has a slight problem with overpromising, one that he has himself acknowledged in recent times. Take this as an example of how poorly his predictions can reflect eventual reality. In May of 2016, Musk said that Tesla would aim to produce between 100,000 and 200,000 Model 3s in the second half of 2017. In the end, they ended up making just 1,770. That's like telling your mum that you'll eat your vegetables and then eating a chip you've painted green instead. Look, I like Elon, but there's something going wrong here in Silicon Valley. A few episodes back, we covered the story of Theranos and their CEO, Elizabeth Holmes. She raised hundreds of millions of dollars, espousing wildly inaccurate figures about her business. Now she's been prosecuted for massive fraud. While no one is accusing Elon of actual fraud, when he says that he expects 100,000 to 200,000 cars to be produced, and then only 1,770 are, isn't that dangerously similar to Elizabeth Holmes's follies in pseudo-truth? Anyway, in order for Elon to be right this time about not having to raise more cash to keep Tesla afloat, the Model 3 will have to step up its game. The mid-range Model 3 sedans that Tesla hopes will bring electric cars to the mainstream have been trickling out of the factory at a rate that is simply far too slow. At the moment, approximately 2,000 are sneaking their way into the world a week. Tesla needs this to be around 5,000 and sharpish if they're going to get enough revenue to service their debt. It will take a Herculean effort for Tesla to get out of what Elon recently dubbed manufacturing hell and reach the production figures that they need. On the upside, if they can do it, then they really don't have to worry about selling the cars. That is pretty much all a done deal, with somewhere in the region of 400,000 people having already put down the $1,000 deposit for a Model 3. This is worth a moment of pause. In the crowded car space, Tesla has somehow managed to carve out a cultish demand for their product. Tesla launch events see hordes of Elonites packing themselves in to auditoriums, cheering frantically at Musk's words, and then eagerly throwing down deposits on cars that they might never receive. It is unsurprising that parallels are being drawn with Apple, whose followers also imitate Justin Bieber fans. Tesla's brand can't save them forever though. They'll have to start producing the cars that they are promising. The success of their Model 3 is essential if Tesla is to pay back investors and fund development of future models. 
Elon seems assured that everything will be fine. In fact, he jested on April Fool's Day that the company had gone bankrupt despite last-ditch efforts to raise money by selling Easter eggs, a joke that he liked, but others felt was in poor taste considering Tesla's precarious situation. Musk has tried to allay concerns around Tesla by making reference to his other company, SpaceX, and their success in space. I'm hopeful that people think that if we can send a Roadster, one of Tesla's cars, to the asteroid belt, we could probably solve Model 3 production. Perhaps, but I would remind him the Roadster was meant to be propelled into an orbit around the sun, not towards a bunch of space rocks. Let's hope his accuracy is improving at both companies. survive in the wilderness for a month I probably wouldn't <laughs> because I don't have the technical skills to be able to what are the parameters of this wilderness okay so the parameters you're like I don't know you're in like um, you know somewhere in Canada and there's not much around except for trees and wilderness you know stereotypical wilderness what do I have tools yeah you got yourself just myself you got like, opposable thumbs right I, I genuinely I would probably die <laughs> <laughs> Wait, really? Yes. <laughs> if I was in Canada without, in the in like an Arctic climate, with no tools or no knowledge of how to survive, as I am now, yeah. I would die. Yes. You got thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> you got opposable thumbs. Eh? Our ancestors did well with those. Yeah, but they were brought up into a world that knew how to cope with those conditions. I wasn't. I was brought up into an urban environment where everything is provided to me. Yeah. If I were just thrown in without any knowledge, without a guide, without tools, without any of that, and you expected me to live, (laughs) like, what? Virgin Galactic wants to offer everyone the opportunity to become private astronauts and experience the wonder of space. In 2014, this ambition took a devastating setback when a test flight ended in the pilot's death. This week, Virgin Galactic flew its first rocket-powered flight since that fatal 2014 crash. Now back on track, the company will ramp up testing before their first commercial space flights at the end of the year. Facebook has had a nigh on a monopoly over tech news for the last few weeks. This week was no different and started with a $1 billion shareholder calling for Zuckerberg to step down as chairman. A call that won't be answered, but is indicative of the mistrust that has seen Facebook's market value plunge by tens of billions of dollars in recent weeks. Then, on Wednesday, Facebook blogs that most of their 2 billion users have had their data harvested by malicious actors over the years. Sheryl Sandberg, the company's COO, admitted that they have systematically underinvested in safety and security on the platform, something that they will rectify moving forwards. Next week, Zuckerberg is due to appear before Congress to answer for his company's sins around data privacy. He's probably not looking forward to it. 
In the meantime, Facebook has suspended its work on a project to share anonymized user data with health institutions. Scott Gottlieb, Commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration, said Wednesday that internet service providers and social media companies should work to stop the illicit sales of opioid drugs online. Gottlieb says that the ease with which one can procure the drugs on the internet is fueling the US's opioid crisis. Facebook and Twitter responded that they already have policies in place to stop the sale of illicit and pharmaceutical drugs on their platforms. How long do you reckon you would survive? Like, you wouldn't die instantly unless there was a bear there or something. Like a week, probably. A week? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I've never done it before. Probably we- never will. Fingers crossed. What? How long do you reckon? Um, well, I don't know. My, I'm quite good with my thumbs. Take <laughs> <laughs> so, maybe like eight days just to beat you, and then, okay. I, then I'd eat you though. So I'd probably, if we were together, <laughs> then I, you'd survive seven. I'd eat you, and that'd be fine. Do you think the chance yeah. of survival increases with the number of people that you have? Not necessarily. Yeah, definitely. Because think about it, you need to cover ground, right, to find like to you. find food. And if you've got yeah. two people looking for food, you cover more ground. Therefore, your mm. probability of finding food increases. Mm. Yeah, and also theoretically, also, I you know I know uh, beginners German. So, <laughs> so if we stumble across like a little Greta in the forest or something, then I could talk to her. Whereas, and you know. Like ancient history, so if we stumbled over Celts or something, <laughs> then they were the ancient history, then you'd be able to talk to them. And you see, our skills could combine <laughs> to be quite quite a strong force. <laughs> I might need to brush up on my, like, um, beginner's German. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know much of it. <laughs> right. Right. So we've established that it would be difficult and that we'd both probably die within a short space of time. If we went together, maybe there'd be a high chance of survival. On Tuesday, Spotify went public via so-called direct listing on the New York Stock Exchange. This unusual choice, which saw the company cut out much of the Wall Street support system that is built into the traditional IPO method of going public, seems to have been a success for Spotify. The music streaming company's stock closed Friday at $147 a share, some $15 up on the reference price the exchange had set. Other tech giants are now likely to see direct listing as a viable and more affordable route to going public. Korean roboticists have created a small cat-like device named Fribo, Fribo, uh, Fribo, or something like that, Fribo. This robotic cat thing is meant to decrease loneliness by encouraging people to contact their friends. The Fribo listens out for what you are getting up to in your house, noticing when you open the fridge, are watching a television show, are cooking or cleaning, etc. You know that kind of thing. It then relays this information to the Fribos of your friends, which might choose to prompt their owners to give you a call. It seems a little bit crude, but well, you know, it is it's a nice idea. It's a nice idea. And it's done. <laughs> it's over. You can open your eyes now. Take it all in. Hopefully the tech world around you makes a bit more sense. You're all caught up. If you enjoyed the show, then please share the zip files with a friend. If you hated it, then please share it with an enemy. 
Also, sorry to be hashtag that guy, but if you're feeling bright and breezy, happy and friendly, then rating the zip files five stars on Apple Podcasts would help me out massively. I love you all. Until next Sunday, enjoy your oat milk lattes and have a great week. Hold up. 